On today's episode, I spoke with Jess Cook about the state of content marketing, trends in B2B, and managing creative chaos. Jess is the head of content at Lasso and the co-host of the That's Marketing Baby podcast. She's also led cross-functional teams across SaaS, B2B, and vertical software. So let's dive right into this one. Let's start with foundations and, and kind of work our way from there. For, for you personally, would love to know a little bit more about kind of your journey as a marketer, in particular, the roles, the different roles that you've held and how they kind of compare and contrast with each other. Um, across the different roles, do you notice things that are similar and then key things that are different? Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you the Cliff's Notes, Cliff's Notes version. Um, I, for 15 years, was a copywriter and creative director on the B2C side. Uh, a lot of like consumer packaged goods brands, McDonald's and Cottonell and Kellogg Pop-Tarts and Rice Krispies, things like that. Um, I think the big kind of contrast there uh, is definitely it's so much more focused on like the ideas being great than it is the business impact. Um, because I think the assumption or kind of the ethos of that kind of agency kind of creative world is like the bigger and better the idea, the bigger and better the business impact. Right. So, uh, a lot less focus on like actual metrics and much more on like the idea and how great is it and how relevant, how emotional is it? Um, after that, I made the pivot into um, SaaS and, and B2B content. I wanted to kind of take what I was doing in like storytelling in B2C and come in-house. And um, obviously, like the big shift there is very much around like everything has to be tied to a business case. And so that was a pretty big lesson that I had to learn that I was not I, one, I wasn't prepared for, two, didn't even realize I needed to learn it, um, but really had to figure out like, well, if I have this really great creative idea, like I, I have to get someone to say yes to it. And in order to do that in B2B, like you, you have to make a case. You have to understand like what it's going to do and how it's going to get you to your goal. So I think those are kind of the two areas I've played in um, specifically uh, and um you know, been through a couple different companies now, was at Fastly for a couple of years and then uh, Marpipe and now I'm at Lasso. Um, and I think the big kind of the major difference at Lasso is it's a um, vertical SaaS. Uh, so this is kind of a new area for me where it's like it is very specific to one industry uh, and it is not afraid to call that out, which, which I kind of love. We're not for everybody and we're okay with that. Yeah, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more. The differences there as you get either more technical or more vertical what are the challenges and what are like the pros of that as well from a content strategy and execution standpoint? I think in both cases, technical or vertical, you have to lean very heavily into your subject matter experts. Um, again, this is a lesson I kind of learned the hard way when I first started in content marketing. My my kind of assumption was like, okay, I, ha I have to be able to do all this on my own. I have to be an expert in the thing and also in content marketing. Um, and very quickly realized like, nope, you could never be an expert in the thing. You just have to be an expert in like connecting the dots, getting the story out of people. And so I think, you know, when you, when you get into a really technical product, when you get into a very vertical industry that has a lot of nuance and specifics and details and, and language, um, you really have to lean on the people who have that lived experience to tell you the things you need to know. And then you really have to figure out like, how do all these stories relate? 
how can I kind of fit these around the pillars that we've established and the the narratives we've landed on? So really, really finding the people in your company who have that specific knowledge um, and, you know, really like build that rapport and, and lean into them. So how does that translate over to your content strategy at Lasso? What, what is it? What does your strategy kind of look like right now from from top to bottom? So we're very focused on a on one. We let me back up. Our product can be used by many people at event production companies. That's the the industry that we're um, that we're really focused on: live event production. And really, anyone at a at an AV production company can jump into Lasso to help them do their job. From you know the front office person who's kind of billing everything to the person in the warehouse who's making sure like all of the inventory is where it needs to be and in the right hands. But we're very focused on marketing to one persona out of the you know ten that could possibly use it, um, because we found that they were most likely to hit book a demo. <laughs> And so for us, it was like, okay, we're going to use the data to tell us like, that's who we should talk to, to like get them in. And that's our champion. And we really need to focus on them. We're also uh, very video first because we're a small team, makes it uh, really easy for us to quickly crank things out, quickly tell stories, quickly pull in our SMEs and lean on those people for, you know, we have people in the company that worked in the warehouse before that were scheduling event crew before. So they understand these people's roles and problems and frustrations firsthand. And so we want to get that richness on video, um, especially in this like time of AI, where like you, AI is not going to be able to spit that out, right? Like we want something very real uh, from these people who have lived it before. So when you're talking video, that kind of makes me think about this short form video or even just general short form content versus long form that old debate uh when when you started at lasso and you kind of were getting things going how did you decide which one to focus on first or which one to focus on more how have you thought about short form versus long form over the course of your role so one of the priorities i set in place when i first came to lasso was we were going to repurpose more than we created um, because we're a small team, because it's just one of the really, it's the, it's one of the fastest, most surefire ways to, to tell the same story over and over, um, in the right way. And so what we'll typically do is we'll start with long form. We have a podcast. That's actually one of our best, uh, sources of, of long form content. And then we'll jump in and we'll find the best kind of shorter pieces. Um, we also do that as well with written content. So we just actually produced and launched um, uh, a, 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 like a downloadable asset of sorts um, called 15 Hidden Costs That Are Causing Event Companies to Lose Six Figures a Year. It's a mouthful, but it's a great piece. Um, and from that piece, we were able to, okay, he, there's 15 separate lessons in here, right? We can do a handful of videos on this, short form video on this. We can pull some of these and turn them into social posts. So we're very much in the camp of like starting with a great long form piece and repurposing it from there. Yeah, and I, I think that we're seeing that direction happening, especially now with AI, people are trying to use it more and more to get leverage on the distribution side, which uh, is probably the right way to go. The, the other way that people can use it is on the creation side. I'd like to hear your thoughts on what you're thinking about AI as, as a content creator right now 
what you trust it with, what you don't trust it with? I don't trust it with a whole lot yet. <laughs> I, I, I don't trust it to create something net new for me, uh, like from start to finish. It's just not there. Um, what I do trust it for is a lot of ideation, a lot of like gap filling, um, a lot of like, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. Or I'm kind of stuck with how to transition between this paragraph and like what I know I need to say next. Let's see what, you know, Copy AI or Jasper has to say about this. So that's where I use it the most. I do think, though, there are a lot of the, the, the tools out there that are powered by AI that aren't necessarily generative are where I find the most help. So for instance, um, Descript is a big one for me where I'm taking that long form video. I'm using it to, to cut out, you know, the ums and the likes and kind of the moments that we don't need the silence. And that's all done by AI. And I think people kind of forget like, oh yeah, that is, that is still technically AI. Um, but that's one of the, the big ones for me. I also love this tool, um, called audio pen. Um, and it helps you, you just kind of blurt out your thought and it really does a nice job of kind of, uh, writing it in this very succinct way. And I don't always use verbatim what gets spit out, but, um, it does help you like see things in a different light and find connections that maybe you wouldn't have made, um, otherwise, which is really, really nice. So definitely not using it for like end-to-end -end creation, but using it just to speed things up, fill in gaps, um, help us get unstuck. So I, I like what you're saying there. I, I totally agree. And going back on the distribution side, it sounds like you're able to get a little bit more leverage on things that aren't active creation without not, not even talking about AI at this point, but just kind of going back to content distribution a little bit. When you're starting with the podcast as your long, long form kind of pillar, walk us through how you get the most out of that particular piece. What are, what are all the things you're looking to extract from it and how does it end up translating to additional content? I love this. Okay. So it actually starts before you even hit record. Uh, if you, when you know who your guest is, we do a lot of research on that person. We're looking at what they're saying on social. We're looking at what podcasts they've already been on and listening to their thoughts, right? So we already kind of know because we've invited them onto the podcast about what angle we want to cover with them. We kind of know what they're an expert in. But then diving into the specifics of that really helps us craft great questions. And I think that is like the secret sauce not many people realize of the power of a podcast is like it's in the questions. So, you know, looking at the website of their company and maybe there's a point of view there that you aligns with your company point of view and you're like I want them to talk about that because I know I can get a sound bite out of that that's going to align with what we've been saying for the past 6 months. So I think the 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 kind of magic of really getting the best stuff starts way before you're even like in the booth ready to hit record. It's like getting great questions down that are going to help them look really smart and get the um, the information out, the the sound bites, kind of the clips and quotes that you're like, yes, that's gold. That's right there. I'm gonna write that one down for later because I know I'm gonna want to clip that out. And and what what different formats do those become for for you at Lasso? Like, are you transiting to blog posts, social posts, things like that? We are a lot of social, um, a lot of kind of. Um, building a bit of humanity into our editorial content. So 
we might hear someone on a on our podcast, a guest on our podcast, say something and we're like, oh, you know what that does? That is a really nice clip to put after that one paragraph and that blog post we just put up a couple weeks ago. Like that is just kind of a nice little exclamation point on that point in that paragraph. So uh, a lot of just trying to find opportunities to, again, say the same thing, but in different formats and kind of bringing those pieces in to, you know, someone might be reading that blog post or skimming through it, right? And they're like, oh, I'm they're They love video, right? And so it's like, I just want to hear what this person has to say. I'm going to skim the H2s and see what this guy has to say, right? So just another opportunity for us to keep getting the message out and putting it in all of the places where it, it makes them where it makes sense. Well, I want to pivot to B2B in general here for a second and get some some of your takes. First off, when you're looking back at when you very first got started in B2B marketing, B2B content, compared to now, what are the gaps in between there? What are the things that have changed the most since you started? Okay. I think the big one, I was just thinking about this the other day because I was thinking about doing a LinkedIn post on it. Something even just, okay, I only started in B2B uh, SaaS four years ago. And four years ago, starting a podcast was a really big endeavor. You needed a vendor, you needed a production team, you needed a studio. Um, it felt like a heavy lift. Same thing with recording some sort of like fireside chat video, right? Remember when those were so big for so long? Uh, when we were all, you know, all together in an office. Um, Things like that now, we have the tools to really get those off the ground quickly. I think that might be one of the biggest changes, even just in the past four years, that like you don't need an entire outside team to help you produce some of this content anymore. But what you do need is people inside your uh, department, inside of content, inside of marketing, who understand the tools. So now we've gone from at least Maybe we're not paying for that vendor, but we do need to pay for the expertise and the confidence of someone inside, in-house to be able to produce. So that to me is the, the biggest shift is like things don't have such a lift anymore, but you still need that expertise or someone who's willing to be like, I don't know how to do it yet, but I'm going to figure it out because I know the tools are out there. Now, I want you to put on your speculator hat and okay. look forward a little bit so could be even five years if we're kind of looking five years at your past you know since you started in b2b next five years how is b2b different in 2028 Whew, that's big uh that seems so far away 2028 it's not um ai i mean ai is the worst it's gonna be right now um i think we are going to see so much in the way of just the quality of what's generated by AI improve and the scope of what's generated by AI improve. So that's a big one for me. Just we're going to be able to take a lot of that kind of minutia off our plate. And I think relatively soon in that in that next five years, some of the bigger stuff off our plate too. You know, um, it won't just be, you know, like a zap, right? When this happens, throw this into an Excel sheet. Uh, or um, hey, chat GPT, kind of help me with this next paragraph. It's going to, it's just going to be much bigger than that. I don't know that I want to speculate on how exactly, but I think just the quality and the depth and the breadth of what can be done will be so much bigger. Um, 
I think in saying that, that means like we have to start now uh, or, or you should have already started like really understanding how to harness these tools um, because, again, they're only going to get better. You do not want to be left behind. Um, and I don't say that to say like you yourself are going to get replaced, but like the people who really get it, they will they will overtake you. Um, they will be able they will be the ones to lead the projects because they will be the ones who know how to get it done really efficiently. So I think that's the big one for me. I also think because of AI, anything that is original or really focuses on storytelling and humanity are going to be differentiated. So original research, uh, you know, survey results, um, anything that has to do with like, you know, people sitting down in front of a camera and actually speaking their mind is always going to, to win because, you know, robot can't spit that out. So uh, th those are kind of the two areas I see continuing to expand. So I want to pivot a little bit. As a content marketer, you are kind of straddling this line between being creative and analytical. You have to make sure that everything works, but you also have to create things. So when, you're, when we're talking about managing the chaos of the creative process, how do you think about effectively doing that? Managing, not only making sure that everything is hitting numbers, but that you're creating things that are worthwhile. So I think part of that is looking at like, okay, for, for Lassa, we're, you know, in this industry of live event production. And I look out there and I see a lot of the same type of stuff being produced. I, ha I have a relatively low bar to start from. But I think we have always seen Lasso as like, we want to be kind of an outlier creatively. So like, what does outlier creative look like, feel like? How does it make someone feel? Um, I think there are a lot of industries out there that already have tons of outlier type thinkers. And so that's where it gets really hard is if you, a lot of your competition is already at that level. Um, you really, really have to figure out like what makes us different and how are we going to convey that? Um, so I think with Lasso, like for us, we still strive to maintain that level of creativity, um, excitement, but also like making sure that we're hitting on those kind of, I like to call them like inside jokes or like things that only someone in the event industry would like know or get and making sure that that's always uh, included. Um, and I think, you know, we're lucky that there's not a lot of that out there in this industry already, but we want to be leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else so that they can't, they can't reach us. Last question here, and then we'll hop off. If you were mentoring a, a brand new B2B marketer who was coming in and had big goals to become one of the greats, well-known B2B marketer, lots of opportunities, based on what you know now, what are the, the skills or the habits that that person should be building in marketing to basically achieve that goal of, of becoming great at what they do? Uh, I think the number one thing is make yourself visible. Um, which is hard to do when you're new at this and trying to figure it out and feel like, no, I should just be listening right now and taking orders. And there is some of that. But, you know, when you ship something, make sure everyone knows it. Make sure everyone knows why you created it. What's the reason behind it? Who is it for? What's it helping us do? Um, and if you can continue to do that, right, like get that visibility, make sure people know content is shipping and we're shipping for these reasons and 
it's helping us hit these goals. That is one of the fastest ways for people to be like, oh, they're doing good work over there. And that, you know, that new, you know, whippersnapper is like really killing it. And um, that's how you get, that's how you kind of build that reputation. And if you can continue that, uh, just keep that visibility, you know, as, as you get handed bigger and bigger projects, your impact uh, becomes bigger and bigger and becomes even more visible. So that I think is one of the the most important things. It's difficult to do um, because it feels a little scary and like braggy, but it is it is part of the job. It's really important um, that all of this work that goes into creating this content doesn't go unseen. 